Right, we'll dive in then. Um, welcome back to what is either episode three or episode four of the Midnight Podcast. Um, I've dyed my hair platinum blonde since last time. Get the creative juices flowing a bit more. If, if you're listening, you obviously can't see, but I have. Um, here with Tokyo as usual and his little pillow. And I guess on this episode, as I was just saying to our guest, who will let, let him introduce himself in a minute, this is the first time, well, it's only episode three that I've actually recorded, but it's the first time yet that I've done a pod slash interview slash just sit down chat with someone that I don't really know. And like obviously a professional in this space would go away and research you, but like I have done that to an extent, it's on my iPad, etc. But like obviously you're not an A-lister yet, so it's like not that much out there. And then obviously we met through Tyler what two three weeks ago and I was suddenly like who the fuck is this guy loads of followers interesting story we had like mutual friends and that small world it feels like um, and then I was just just get you on the pod and really go from there so I feel like yeah it's just going to be an organic one for me um, don't really have any structure with it really um, which is probably good over time I'll get better at that sort of thing but I guess yeah just to start like just tell me about yourself like what do you do? Where have you come from? And we'll go from there because I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that listeners can learn. So, yeah, of course, mate. Well, as most people will be able to tell from my accent, I'm from Liverpool. Um, yeah. Being in the social media marketing game now for like, I think it's about eight years. Um, I run an agency called Social Kick, uh, which specialises in influence campaigns, organic and viral growth, and brand strategy. Um, yeah. So I've had the agency officially now for like uh, how long's it been? It's been about. Four Five years officially. Like I said, I've been in the game for like eight years unofficially. Um, but yeah, that's it in a nutshell, mate. Yeah, so agency, like, obviously I read, I was reading online just briefly, went to college, etc. Probably like a lot of people didn't really know what you wanted to do. But how do you start an agency? Obviously, like agency is probably, I feel like it's become like the next drop shipping in a way. And I, do, I don't think yours is exactly like... A lot of people start like Facebook ads agencies. Obviously, I've looked at yours a little bit, but like, how do you get started in that? Like, how do you make, how do you go from, I don't know, having a, a paid job like nine to five, whatever it was, and then actually just saying, fuck it, I'm going to start my own thing? Yeah, it's a good question, mate. And I think you are right. I think, you know, the creating agency definitely is like a, the new drop shipping type yeah. of vibe. Um, everyone wants to create an agency, but, you know, I can easily say that I was one of the first people to create a social agency within my space. Yeah. Um, that long ago when I was back in uni which was you know how long ago was that now so seven six years ago yeah long time so yeah I went to uni um, done a marketing degree and it didn't take me very long to realise that really didn't want to be in uni and yeah, it was one of those same. situations where you go to uni because you've got nothing else to really do and nothing mm. to pursue so it's like okay well my parents want me to go I'll just go to uni yeah and see what it's like. So I've done, done business when I was in college, um, found that I was quite good at it. Um, so when I went to uni, it was, it was quite easy for me to just pick up the marketing side and you know specified in, in the marketing side of the business degree. Um, but yeah, about halfway through the first year, my first year I realized, wow, this is not what I want to be doing, but didn't yeah. want to let the parents down. And it was when Instagram, yeah, it was when Instagram really just started to kick off. It wasn't even the main platform. Everyone was still using Facebook at the time. And I was always into my fashion. So I actually started to create um, fashion pages, like men's fashion blogs. You know, we even called them blogs back then. It wasn't even like an Instagram, even though it was yeah. on Instagram, we called it a blog. Um, so yeah, I just started like reposting pictures of, you know, celebrities like Kanye West, Pharrell Williams, all these big like fashion icons. And after like six months of 
just literally posting just for the, the leisure aspect of it because like, it was a hobby. I enjoyed it. Started to pick up quite a lot of followers and I was like, oh, this is quite cool. It's quite easy to grow if you post good content and you stay consistent, etc. So um, started to make a few more pages. Grew my first page to like 100,000 followers. And even just before I, I got to 100,000 followers, um, I got a DM from a brand. And at this time, you know, influencer marketing, wasn't even a thing. People mm. weren't even using influencers or creators for the brand. So I got a message off a brand. I can't even remember the name of the brand. It was some like like smart men's like suit and tie brand. And he messaged me saying, oh, how much for, for an ad on your page? And I remember being like, wait, you can make money from Instagram? So it should be yeah, like, yeah. so confusing. So I just like said a number off the top of my head. I think I said something like 20 quid, honestly, mm. something crazy. Classic. And they were like, yep, yeah, send it over. And I was like, that was too easy. I didn't realize how easy that would be. And were you in uni at this point? In uni, still. First which year. uni was this? Uh, I went to the University of Liverpool. Yeah, I didn't go too okay. far away from home. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I was in Newcastle. Oh, yeah. How was that? Well, probably similar story to you, really. I went knowing that I didn't want to be there, but it was like, fuck it, what else am I going to do? And then kind of figured out my econ thing while I was there. So probably similar story, to be fair. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just, it's not the most productive environment, is it, being around people that just genuinely don't have the similar aspirations in it. So you sort of figure out there's a different world out there. And obviously for you, those Instagram pages, by the sounds of it. Yeah. Well, you know, even before I went to uni, I, I definitely see myself as quite a, a closed minded person anyway. Yeah. Didn't really know much about different cultures, different people, different trends, etc. But when I went to uni and I started to get a lot of, you know, mates from different countries, like our friend group, it was like full of like Malaysians, Chinese, Americans, all these people coming together. And it was, you know, that was the, the one good side of uni for me. It was learning about different cultures and different people and yeah. realizing the world's bigger than Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, it's so I mean? fucking true. Yeah, like how many people have that like small town mentality wherever you come from? Yeah. It's just mad. And obviously you're from Liverpool, so you went where you're from, whereas I'm from York, so yeah. like smaller, but like, yeah, I guess going to Newcastle wasn't that far. Um, and are you, are you a Liverpool fan? No, I'm an Evertonian. Oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. Okay, right. Get off this podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll, I'll have to like, you're actually the only person I know that's a scouse. And I, I used to always do like a Jamie Carragher impression, but maybe I'll leave that to the end. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Just, it's that like, shit going around TikTok. It's fucking funny. That's the um, go-to, isn't it? So yeah, so obviously started making money from Instagram pages and yeah, I'm, things have changed so much. When, when was this? Maybe like 2015, 2016? Or oh, was man. it earlier? Um, when was it? Because we're a similar yeah, age. I think we're the same age. Yeah. So I'm trying to think. I was, would have been uni 2014, 15. 14, 15, it would have been, yeah. Um, but yeah, I started, I started making a bit of money off it and realised, you know, I'd done a lot of networking on Instagram as well. So, if I, you know, I had a, a fashion page called Men's Fashion Co. And I, I used probably to try followed and, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tried to find other people within the niche and start to network. We used to do like shout out for shout outs and help each other grow yeah, yeah. and that type of thing. And back then that worked like you, someone else would shout you out on the stories or you know in the caption you gain like 5,000 followers overnight mm. you can't do that now but well I guess you can with some yeah, pages but it's, it's a lot more saturated um, but yeah with, with, the, with the brand side of it I started to realise well I can utilise not just my page but other people that I now know what I can do is basically connect the brands with the pages and then take a commission in between so I'd take budgets off the brands yeah. and then distribute it between my network so instead of being like hey do you want to, you know, post on Men's Fashion Co with 100,000 followers? I can be like, look, Men's Fashion Co's got a network of 10, 20, 30 million followers. This is what you get. These are the pages. And I'd sell like packages 
to brands as well. Mm. So that was coming into the, the second year of uni now. Um, and what I realized was when I came into the second year of uni, um, a lot of these brands that were coming to me were watch brands, like streetwear yeah. watch brands. I'm not talking Rolexes and Patek Philippe. I'm talking like... Yeah, watch brands. I remember those. Yeah, There's like Daniel Wellington and the Fifth Watches, all these ones which were popping up out of nowhere yeah. um, and utilizing social media. And in the back of my head, I was like, these guys are making a lot of money if they keep coming back to me and using my network for promotions. And I've always been into my watches anyway. So I mm. was like, I'm going to make a watch brand. Yeah. So done all the research myself, literally did not care about uni on the second year. I don't even know how I passed it, to be honest with you, but I've done all right in it. But found my own supplier, built my own website, done my own logistics, done my own designs and started to just sell my own watch brand just via Instagram organic, no paid ads, none of that. I didn't even know what paid ads were or Facebook mm. ads were back then. Um, just on all her Instagram. Uh, that done quite well. And it was funny because in the dorm room in uni, it was just full of just boxes of watches. And then every morning yeah, I'd run classic. down to the post office, send them all myself, do all that. It was just nuts. But um, yeah, I'd done the watch brand for a couple of years alongside building the agency. But it was just so hard because to be a one-man band, <laughs> trying mm. to create a watch brand and scale was almost impossible. Yeah. But um yeah, I ended up stopping that just because um, one of the main issues I ran into was marketing spend and just a lot of the other brands were just saturating the market so much because they had so much money to throw, you know. Yeah, so true. Yeah. I'm yeah, just I was similar to be fair. Like I had a clothing brand in 2015. It was fucking shit. Didn't, didn't know ads. Everyone took the piss, blah, blah, blah. Same story. And then a leggings brand because I was rowing at uni. Yeah. And, and again, I wasn't running ads, but this one did all right, like organically. Mm. Then I discovered Facebook ads in like mid 2016, mm-hmm. and then I started drop shipping jeans, and that turned into a, a decent sized clothing brand and like influencers, etc. But yeah, it was very much like one man band spec. Well, actually, my, my mate ended up coming in, but we had an office in Newcastle while I was at uni, and I, I probably told this story in an older podcast, not the first one of this of this podcast, but because this was like pre Neon Beach, all that scandal. But um, yeah, yeah, it was weird because I just I don't know, like, did you finish uni or what? Yeah, I finished uni. No, I didn't end up dropping out. And one of the main reasons I didn't drop out was for my parents. You know, my dad was one of the ones, well, he was the main person. I was like, I want you to go and get a degree. And, you know, I didn't really want to let him down. So I was balancing, chasing what I wanted to do myself and what I knew I was good at with, you know, making sure he was happy and, and, you know, not feeling guilty for not finishing a degree. Um, But yeah, just... This, it just got saturated so quick the market and I was so stupid back then mate honestly because when it comes to like growing a brand it's always good well within reason and we can have a chat about this but you know giving away a certain amount of equity in a company to yeah. help with the scalability help with investment and to get it where it needs to be quicker right uh, because, it, because it was called Adam Mark England it had my name in the fucking title of the yeah. watch and on the watch I didn't want anyone else to have anything to do with it that was the biggest thing. So I actually missed out on a massive opportunity because I had loads of people at the time coming to me being like, you know, let me invest X amount of money into it. And I was always like, nah, nah, I'm doing it myself. But if I would have took on investment back then, it would have been a whole other ball game. And I know it. I know it now because yeah. I was st- I was so early in the in Yeah, that's pretty early in watches. Yeah. And like, we, we you didn't run any paid ads then or what? Didn't run any paid ads. Uh, 100% yeah, organic. That would have been the kicker. Yeah. The, the only like external... Um, marketing that I'd done outside of organic was um, 
I got it in British GQ, like mm. three seasons on the bounce, which was quite fun. Um, but even then, that didn't even bring in any sales. I had like a unique code yeah. in GQ, load of bollocks. I wouldn't do it again. Yeah. It's a vanity thing that it just doesn't 100%. drive sales. Not when you're on a page full of like 10 other watches. Doesn't doesn't make any sense. So did you never just think I can figure out Facebook ads myself, which is what I eventually did? Because if I'd never, if I, yeah. if I hadn't run paid ads, fucking hell, I'd probably be working in Tesco right now. Well, I, I wouldn't, <laughs> but I wouldn't have done much. Yeah, I was I was thinking of it. I think I tried a little bit. Just I, even still to this day, I would never run my own paid ads, even though I'm like yeah. a, you know self proclaimed social media expert to an extent. It's mm. all on the organic side of things. I wouldn't ever try and run my own ads. Because, you know, a lot of my friends now have got Facebook ad agencies and I yeah, see so how difficult it is right now. And, you know, if you're not on it 24-7, if you don't know every little tweak which Facebook makes, it could, makes it could get could get messy. So Yeah, it's fucked recently. Yeah. And you said you missed out on opportunities. Yeah. What sort of opportunities with that brand? Like, who was approaching you? Like, Mostly investors. What sort of picture? Yeah, mostly investors. I, th- I knew exactly what I needed at the time to scale to the next level. And it was, it was too... The dog was making funny noises then. Two main mistakes that I made was um, didn't scale quick enough and didn't take on the investment to help with um, stock, the logistics side of it, you know, getting into a warehouse and helping them with yeah. that side of it. I was so like tunnel visioned. I just didn't take the help that I actually needed to scale. Mm. Um, if I would have took on investment, I think I probably only would have needed about at the time about 50 grand if I got 50k I reckon I could have made it into a, like a multi 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 million pound company because at the time very little money got you a lot of exposure oh so true the conversion yeah. rate organically was the insane the ad were like a tenth of what they are now yeah literally and when you had 100,000 followers on Instagram 80,000 of those people might have seen organically back then yeah whereas now if you got 100,000 followers you'd be lucky to get you know a 20% um, yeah, rate so on true. that which is just nuts um, but yeah I mean look everything happens for a reason I moved on from that pretty quickly um, just kind of put it on that that on the back burner when I realised it was a bit of a waste of money and just doubled down on actually creating a scalable agency um, on what I was good at which was the organic and viral growth uh, brand strategy and just the yeah the growth of Instagram accounts for anyone that wanted to monetize it or just grow because they fancied it so yeah so you sacked off the watch brand Focus on the agency. Yeah. Everyone knows agencies, like more cash flow rich. Like obviously the problem with the econ brand, which a lot of people don't realise as well, is that even if, I think I spoke about it in a previous episode, even if it's profitable, it's like mm. stock, you're taking a bigger risk on like buying stock, etc., like new SKUs, etc. etc. And obviously ad costs. So yeah, completely understand that. And then where are we now? Have you finished uni? Like how's the agency going? Were you making money? Were you still working a job? Like where were you at? So I was worked, the, the only job I had before I became self-employed fully was when I was in uni, I worked at a shop called Bank Fashion, which was mm. owned by like JD, PLC. It was just, it was just awful. It was like, it, funny story actually, when I quit the job, it was because the the boss at the time, I was on like the shoe stand, so I was standing there waiting for, you know, customers to come in and he came over to me, the boss, and was like, dust that shelf behind you. And I was like, it doesn't need dusting. What are you talking about? Yeah. And he goes, uh, it doesn't matter if it doesn't need dusting. I've just told you to dust that. You are the duster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just like went, are you being serious? What, so you just tell me to do it for the sake of it? And he went, yeah. And I went, right, mate. Literally just took my lanyard off, threw yeah. at him, walked out. I just walked out because that made me realise I can't work in a job where someone actually has to 
will tell me what to do. Yeah. I have to be, you know, I'm a control freak. I need to be in control. And, um, yeah, very quickly realized then that I needed to, to move on. So yeah, came out of uni, focused a hundred percent on the agency, um, moved out of the, the original thing, which is like men's fashion and moved into more like meme pages, started to grow a lot of different meme pages. Um, and then work on the brand side of things instead of just, you know, being that middleman. So I'd be actually on retainers from the brands or the, you know, the people on the other side instead of working for the pages, if that makes sense. So yeah. instead of just being like a middleman, I actually started to be put on retainers to do what I was doing. And then I realized then that was a more uh, stable model for what mm. I was doing at the time. Because when I was in uni, it was quite sporadic the way things would come in. And I was taking, you know, cuts from X, Y, Z. But I was like, right, I need to actually create a proper agency model now where I'm taking yeah. monthly retainers. Um, I'm working not just on them working with influencers or meme pages or whatever, but actually be involved in the brand strategy and be a little bit more integrated into the brands. Because mm. then I found more interest in that as well because I was learning about the insides of different businesses as well as being paid to do so and do what I was actually good at. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, years and years on now, um, we mainly focus on... Um, a lot of different like corporate companies actually so big like fintech companies app companies I saw Revolut on your website I think it was yeah yeah we worked at Revolut and Mastercard we ran the um, influencer campaign for the Brit Awards oh yeah um, and then we also done the Revolut's content creation for their paid ads as well um, so I basically came in and just said look your, your paid ad content isn't actually the best we can do a, mm. a way better job which will then help with the organic and influencer side of things because at the end of the day it all has to mold into one you can't have yeah. paid ads doing one thing and then influencers and you know the other side of it doing something completely different so um, when I work with companies now I try and work at companies that I actually take interest in myself and I think are really good companies because yeah. then I'm not motivated to, to do half as good you know or what I'm doing because I'm just not interested in what they're doing or I don't believe yeah. in yeah and was, was this just you at this point then or do you have employees freelancers a team whatever yeah yeah so like? when I came out of uni and for a couple of years after that um, it's always only been me now when I've started to scale take on more clients and you know do all those shenanigans it was mostly with people uh, who were freelancers contracted in yeah and the reason I took that model is because when I first started making money from the agency, I realized quite quickly that I'm not just motivated by money. I'm motivated by the freedom that money gives you. Yeah. So if I get locked in with big fancy offices, a load of staff, mm. the stress levels would be so sky high that I actually wouldn't enjoy what I was doing. Yeah. So I realized that I can actually self, um, sorry, contract people in. So they're self-employed which takes away my stress of everything and all the admin I'd have to do on my side. Yeah. And, you know, the contract lens would be like rolling monthly or three months or six months, depending on what projects I'd have on at that time. So there's a lot of people coming in and out of the people who work with Social Kick, but everyone who comes in, I trust 100%. The people that are either I've worked with before or have been like highly recommended by other people that I know have got like solid results. I wouldn't just pull someone off the street and just be like, yeah, okay, you work for Social Kick now. Yeah. Um, but luckily over the years, you know, you know, it's like networking is key with what we do and um, whether that's with influencers or, you know, Facebook agencies, whatever it is. Um, if you get good referrals off people, it makes your life so much easier. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so on that, there's kind of two things I want to talk about. Firstly, so like, 
I saw there was like some, I didn't actually see this till today. There was like some Daily Mail article, obviously like flashing lifestyle and shit. Oh, and I feel like it's funny because that's like the opposite of what the Daily Mail article that nearly got published about me would have been. It would have been like fucking scam artists or whatever. <laughs> but probably with similar pictures. Yeah. So did you, have you traveled a lot then? Obviously like pre-COVID because I probably did like two and a half years, nearly three years of like pretty much full time, nomad, whatever you want to call it, like jet set lifestyle, all this. Yeah. Yeah, so I did, did you, you did a lot of that? A lot, yeah. I mean, I've only been living in London now, like, officially for, like, well, be less than two years, really. Yeah. Before that, um, I was traveling all the time. I just left all my belongings at my parents' place. Yeah. Same. And I just just jumped flights. And whenever I got bored, I'd just go somewhere else. And, you know, that brings me back to what I said about freedom. Yeah. If I had an office with a load of staff so and true. people, you know, not knowing what they were doing or new people getting on board, etc., it would give me so much anxiety to like look after those people. Mm. Um, like I said, I'm a control freak. And if something's got my name on it, like social kick, it'd have to be ran properly and I'd have to be there. So freedom has always been the key for me, which is why I've traveled over the last, yeah, two, three years, nonstop, spend most of my time in Dubai and LA. They're like the two main spots for me just because of the creatives and the other people in the industry that I know are based there. Um, but yeah, done Asia. I've got friends who like play footy over in Asia. So it's always been good to go visit them. Spent time in, uh, where else have I been? Yeah. Canada, America, like Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, Philippines, yeah, for like everywhere. LA, Dubai and Bali are probably like the big three. Like mm. I'm a big fan of Bali. I probably yeah. speak about it too much. Lived there for like, well, probably like a year and not, not a year, maybe like two months, four different times. Long time um, though, mate. I mean, I've only been to Bali once and I fell in love with it. And the only reason I haven't been back is because of the whole COVID situation. Yeah, but, oh, I've not been for two years now. Pretty much two years to the day almost because of fucking COVID. Um, what I think about Bali is the standard of living compared to oh, the cost crazy. of living is absolutely yeah. insane. Living like some baller villa for like a grand a month. This is what I mean. It's not like, compare that to what you get in London. Yeah. It's just, yeah, to be fair, that's like, what you said. It's like freedom, but it's also like, where was I speaking about? It's not on a podcast. I think just with mates. And it's like, if you can make, just say, 100 grand a year even, or even less. Let's just say you make 100 grand a year online. Mm-hmm. That's worth like, in my mind, the equivalent of like a million quid a year having to be in an office in central London. 100%. Because people talk about like, oh, I want to make money or whatever. But a lot of people don't consider like the time and location freedom that certain things as opposed to others can give you. So like, are you running an agency, econ brand? whatever it is, like online fundamentally, as mm. opposed to having to go into an office. Because if you're making, I was like, a million quid working in the city or whatever, which by the way, fucking no one is, but barely, yeah, like 0.01%. But even then it's like, I'd rather make a lot less, say a hundred grand a year, just still good money online, but have the time and location freedom. Yeah. And I just think no one really considers that. I reckon COVID is, has like woken a lot of people up to that. They're like, oh fuck. Like, I don't really need to be in office for a start. Yeah, you don't need to be in the rat race. That's the thing. I, yeah. Luckily, and thank God, I realised that very early on from yeah. what I was doing. And even just being in uni and doing a part-time job made me realise, yeah, like, wow, you know, you don't have to do this. So social media was, um, you know, the biggest thing in my life that changed everything because that freedom made to be able to get up. Like, right now, if I wanted to just jump on a flight to butt fuck nowhere doesn't matter where it was I can do that and I yeah. can do that with the freedom knowing that my business is still going to run yeah. everything's still going to be okay bills are still going to be paid whereas the amount of times and you've probably experienced this as well actually you've you know we've, we've all got mates that are working nine to fives or or other jobs and 
for example, if me if I said to you right now, oh, let's jump on the plane, go to Marbella for a couple of days, it'll be jokes. Mm. You know, the, the amount of times I've said to my mates, I want to go away, even if it's only for a couple of days, let's yeah. just go here. Even if it's super cheap, like, I can't, I've got work or I haven't got any days off. Yeah, or, so true. You know, I think that is the biggest, like, luxury, blessing, good thing, whatever you want to call it, that people don't realise. Mm. And it's like, yeah, when I got into, like, drop shipping back in, like, 2016, and I, I just remember going to Italy... I went for like a European trip by myself because I didn't know anyone that also did that. It was before I like met anyone mm. in like the e-com space. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, because no one else can go. Even if it's like fucking 500 quid for a month or whatever, just backpacking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just mad. I think once people experience that like freedom, it's suddenly like, oh fuck. Yeah. Because on the flip side, like last year, just before the fucking meltdown, I was looking at getting like a proper expensive office in London and shit and then, and then I, I sort of like a few months later I was like fuck firstly glad I didn't do that because of what ended up happening with that business but yeah. second it was like I think that was just me trying because I'd done the whole Bali thing and then I was like oh I want to like formalise this get like PAY employees get an office but now I think fuck that like I don't know you look at brands like Gymshark or whatever and yeah that, that's like a great 0.0001% example but I actually think most people that want to start a brand or whatever don't even want that they think no. they want that what they want is to make good money doing something they love and have freedom Yeah, and that's a lot more realistic than people think that's because society tells us to go and get a good job go and earn you know 100 yeah. grand a year as oh my goodness you're rich you're yeah. doing amazing life but realistically if you'd, if you'd say to me right now would you rather take 40 grand and be self-employed or 100 grand and have a 9 to 5 you know I'm taking the first option. Yeah. I'm sorry, it just it just is because that freedom to me is worth more than money. Yeah, Do you know what so I mean? true. Like having cool materialistic things like nice watches and cool cars and stuff, they're great, but the ability to actually get up and just fuck off to wherever I want is the best feeling in the world. And I always get reminded of that when I get on another plane and I'm sitting there being like, I'm actually so grateful to be in this position to be able to actually jump, you know, jump up, fly wherever I want and do whatever I want and yeah. that to me is being wealthy to be honest that like freedom and I was gonna say like I seen, I seen a meme a couple of days ago and I was, I, was, I was laughing at it but it is so true it was like having a Rolex isn't a flex if it tells you when your lunch breaks over oh fuck yeah <laughs> and I was like whoa that's deep yeah, yeah that, that, that is deep actually because you know like I've, I've already put my cards on the table with this, but like, yeah, fucking lost a load of money in the past year, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I'm still fine. I'm still in the game. I'm not like fucking homeless, obviously. But yeah, like, went from having like two very fancy cars, which in hindsight didn't make me happy anyway. Had like fucking four Rolexes at one point, sold three of them, still got one, whatever. But in a way, that was like kind of a good experience because now I'm like, actually, like, the bit I really enjoyed anyway was the freedom. Like, I like cars and whatever. I've always been into that shit, but. Like, it only makes you excited, like, for the first month of it being new, maybe. Now, obviously, I know you've got a sick car as well, but, like, it's cool, but you'd give that up before your freedom. Like, you'd rather be oh, able yeah. to travel. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, yeah, you can have both, but... If it was between, I'd get rid of the car straight away. Yeah. Like, it's, i get rid of everything, my watches, my cars, like, everything. Like, there's, there's no point in having it if it makes you struggle. Like, this is what I mean, like... I never understand if someone's on a, a job that let's say someone's earning twenty five grand a year, yeah, but someone's paying five six hundred pound a month for a Range Rover, which is a lot of people, like that, which is a lot. It's like they're not doing that because they need it; they're literally doing it because they think 
it look number one, it looks cool. Number two, well, yeah, they're probably just trying to impress people. Yeah, that's that's the main thing. They're probably just trying to impress people. They don't need that car. It's just everyone wants to look rich. Everyone wants yeah, to so look true. wealthy. But you know, don't buy anything unless you can you can afford it five six times over. That's what I tell myself anyway. Yeah, and just then. So obviously you mentioned like networking, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously mm-hmm. like I've only met you once prior to this. It was in like Soho House and obviously like fucking Instagram you. Big following, verified, all this shit. So like wh- where did that come from? Was that obviously building your following, et cetera? Was that just off the back of the agency? Like was that as a result of networking and working with influencers and like getting shout outs? Like where's that come from? Because so I have fuck all followers compared to that. <laughs> I've never really thought about it. I started growing my personal page when it was very, very easy to grow on Instagram. So as I was growing the men's fashion co pages and the men's the other men's fashion lifestyle pages and meme pages, I was also growing my personal page as well. Yeah. So I actually started posting a lot of like fashion related stuff. So a lot of my audience still to this day are more fashion related, um, which is where like the the majority of the people who follow me, you know, came mm. from. So I grew like quite quickly over a short period of time. And then as I started to kind of take my foot off the gas from my personal page, um, I started focusing on more of my clients and stuff like that. Um, you know, the engagement started to go down a little bit and I had to slowly like pick that back up again. Mm. So still to this day, even though I've got like, what, 140,000 followers, I'd say, you know, a good 65, 70% of the followers came from, you know, years and years before that anyway. Still my, my own personal page, but they were interested in more the fashion side of it, whereas they don't yeah. really post that much stuff like that anymore. One thing I'm trying to do with my personal brand at the moment is offer a lot more value and offer things which, you know, isn't just me looking cool in business class or me looking sick in LA with a Rolls Royce behind me. Like, they're great to have because it's social proof. It's letting people know that obviously, you know, like, the thing is, right, I never try and flex. I love my cars. I love my travel. I love my watches. So if you see me posting cars, travel and watches, it's not because I'm like, hey, look at me. Look how big my bollocks are. It's literally me being like, I really like this stuff, so I'm going to post it. Yeah. But as well as that... Especially when you've, like, self-made. Yeah, of course. Like, look at... That's one thing people don't realise. I didn't get anything given to me. Like, I literally started off my iPhone... Fucking, what was it? iPhone 4 or something, iPhone 5. um, While I was in uni in between lectures. That's how I started. I didn't Mm. have any handouts. I didn't have anyone giving me money. It was just all like that. So if I want to post stuff like that, I'm more than capable yeah. of doing that without you know definitely qualified to do so yeah yeah i definitely see what you mean yeah like it never it don't, it don't count if there's a lot of that around right where we live like fucking don's just posting like pictures of daddy's yacht and stuff which i don't know maybe i'm just bitter but yeah like, come on mate yeah it can't doesn't count <laughs> um well, that's what it's like being in london as well you meet a lot of those yeah of those type of people do you know what i mean yeah i was a bit like that as well to be fair like, i mean i definitely used to put like probably flex a little bit more like particularly when I was single or whatever it's just mm-hmm. just fucking works but it was never from an angle of I'm trying to flex and I wasn't even selling anything I probably fucking should have shielded a course back then or whatever but yeah it was more just yeah I just liked those things and if people deemed it as like oh you're flexing like blah 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 and I probably wouldn't post that sort of stuff now um just because I've grown up a bit but yeah it definitely is social proof like yeah. if you're trying to sell something or not even if it's just social proof to like like girls is one mm-hmm. which is like it sounds silly but it's fucking true no um, it's vegan everyone's uh, and then, then even just that. other people that you want to network with it's like 
like if you've got a picture of a nice car or something like there's or like you're in a cool place it's just it's more it's like well there must be a story there to some extent particularly yeah. if you can scroll back and see that it wasn't always the case me of course like travel cars watches like i said before like those things in like the lads world are all conversation starters yeah like if you see like even even tyler our friend tyler like tyler if you're watching this this isn't the reason we started talking by the way but if i go on this page and i see driving a lamborghini and he's 23 i'm gonna go what the fuck does he do and how did he do that because to me if i look at someone and go that's a 200 grand car someone lives in central London he's absolutely killing it in life but his Instagram doesn't give that much away that's why a lot of people end up messaging people and that's why a lot of people message me as well because when Mm. they see me travelling when they see me doing XYZ or they see me hanging around with influencers it's like who is this guy and what does he do it's the conversation starters it's kind of like the the mysterious kind of personality that people know but no one knows what they do and there's a lot of people like that it's kind of I was kind of like that with you to be fair and (laughs) I feel like there's two sides to it because, like, yeah, like I, I used to, particularly in the past, when I was like driving my R8 or whatever, mm-hmm. I'd get messages of 16 year olds saying, like, literally saying, "Can you mentor me?" And I'd be like, "I don't know what the fuck I'm doing." So no, I'm just still winging it. <laughs> You'd be like, "Mate, I'm winging it myself." <laughs> Whereas now, like, some particularly like forex traders or whatever, like, mm. I, mean, I, think, I think we mentioned this on the previous episode, me and Billy. Um, but now, because I've got experience and I've done a bit of things in life and I look at a lot of those and think fuck me this guy is completely fronted and he's probably broke because he's selling some affiliate offer etc etc and there's obviously legit people and non, non-legit people but it's just funny how your perspective changes mm. when you've been one of those people that people might make assumptions about and you've also got friends that are doing it legit as well yeah so because yes social media is just smoke and mirrors isn't it a lot of it um, so how do you get verified as well because I couldn't even get my fucking brand page verified with half a million followers. And I just, yeah, I, I'd like to get my personal verified. I'm not that arsed. It would just be like, a, no, obviously you, should, you haven't got a lot of followers. You but. should be arsed because at the end of the day, people might take the piss out of people trying to get verified and stuff. Mm. But being verified, I know the benefits. I knew the benefits before and that's why I wanted yeah. to try so hard. Honestly, I tried to get verified for like a year and a half before I actually got it. Yeah. The things that pushed it over the line for me was the uh, news articles mm. and uh, a stroke of fortune with the same week a lot of the articles came out. Um, I had a lot of people pretending to be my Forex account. I know how fucking original, but that's what people do. Like when yeah. there's someone with a lot of followers on Instagram, they'll copy it and try and feed off their followers. Yeah, so, so true. Um, I ended up reporting, I think it was about six or seven accounts. And when, it's, when when they got reported for like impersonating me, I got a message literally within half an hour being like, these accounts have been removed. So I was like, okay, I know that I'm on Instagram's radar now because mm. now that on every account that I'm, you know, putting forward, they're removing it straight away. So, you know, I'm a, per- a person of importance or, you know, relevance yeah. or whatever. Like I said, luckily with, it was the same week a lot of the articles came out. So I think that week I had like a Forbes mention, BuzzFeed, Daily Mail, Mirror, um, and then a load of other ones as well. So when you typed in my name onto Google, my SEO was really, really strong on the Google News tab as well as on just yeah. when you type my name in on my agency name. Yeah, I just Googled you before this and Daily Mail comes up. Yeah, yeah. So straight away I was yeah, like, pretty good. okay, this is, if I'm going to like request it, I'll request it. So... Um, requested it inside the app where you can request verification. Mm. And back then it was even harder to get verified. Um, 
didn't put anything special in there, just requested it, uploaded my ID, woke up the next morning, I was verified. So I knew for a fact it was because of the articles and the impersonators and stuff like that. Um, the CEO of Instagram actually went live a couple of weeks ago and done like a live Q&A with his audience. And one of the biggest things was, how do I get verified? That's what a lot of people were asking. Yeah. And um, he said things which I knew were already true, but kind of solidified that in a lot of people's eyes, which was, it's all about what your Google rankings like. So if you type your name in, you know, mm. like you, rec- I don't know whether you've done it, but when you request verification, it says no one has in the no one has section. Yeah. Whatever you put in there is what the person on the other end will probably type into Google or Instagram's algorithm will search. Whatever comes up there and depending on how strong your SEO is, that's what's going to decide whether they think you're uh, eligible for it. I'll have so, to put in no one has Neon Beach scam artist and then I'll get verified. <laughs> Maybe, maybe it'd work. You're never going to know then if just you don't try. Yeah. But, um, so I didn't put in on the known as, I didn't put in Adam Jordan or Adam Mark. I put in, um, I think it was Adam Jordan Social Kick Agency. That's what I put as the known as. Yeah. That worked for me. So for anyone who's watching or listening, if you're trying to get verified, you've got a few followers. And by the way, I know people who are verified with a thousand followers. It does yeah, not- I've seen quite a few of those. It does not matter how many shit. followers you got me at all. It's about- how likely you are to be impersonated, Yeah. how many articles you've got. So that social proof away from social media um, and also your niche. So the entrepreneurial niche is actually one of the hardest uh, niches to get verified mm. in that and an actual brand. So for me, when I, when I uh, done the categories, I didn't put entrepreneur. It gives you the option to say other. So I clicked other and that worked for me. And I actually have done it for about, Honestly, mate, the past two months, I've probably got about five people verified just through yeah. doing the right structure of to go about things and, you know, making sure they're not going down as an influencer or an entrepreneur, but they're doing all the right things and going down in a category that someone has to manually search. Um, that works a lot of the time and has worked nine times out of 10 for me and the people that I know are legible to be verified and have managed to yeah. do it. So. I have a pretty fucked up story, actually, which, which I forgot to tell in the first episode about trying to get verified it was when I was trying to get the Neon Beach page verified because yeah. when it was like booming it was only like fucking nine months old or whatever and I had like half a million followers purely from ads mm. um, but then one of the things is I didn't have the Neon Beach username for start I had Neon Beach Co and there, someone was like oh you need to get the brand name for start because otherwise you don't even look legit mm-hmm. so there was two parts to it firstly I I tried to get the name I don't even know if this is fucking legal so I probably shouldn't say it but I may or may not have paid five bitcoin at the time which was still a lot but it was bitcoin was at eight grand then bitcoin's like what fifty thousand dollars <laughs> now so and it's just kind of hilarious because how tragic it is so i basically ended up paying someone who knew someone who knew someone who was whatever could probably can't say fucking five bitcoin to get the name because this person that had it wouldn't give it to me mm-hmm. and anyway they sorted it out because had the trademark etc so it's pretty legit but they wanted to get paid anyway that f- five Bitcoin now is like a quarter of a million dollars. And I'm not even fucking involved in the brand anymore. Oh, so man. I spent a quarter of a million dollars, which could literally buy me a fucking Rolls Royce cash mm-hmm. on to get rid of two letters in a username that didn't end up getting verified. Oh, and the man. business I'm not even involved in now because it went fucked up. So that was fucked. But then That's the second part of that, which also got pretty messy, but because anyway, yeah. So paid this guy who was like, so you probably know him actually, but I'm not going to say his name. Um, on this podcast anyway <laughs> paid him like five grand right which again I'm not sure you're allowed to do it against terms of service whatever and he was like yeah I'll get you verified blah 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 
goes by like this this happened to loads of my mates as well one of them ended up getting it getting it verified so i was like oh it took a while but it's legit anyway like didn't get verified went on for like three months ended up having to chase him loads blah 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 and it just got a bit messy and he was a bit of a dodgy character so i ended mm. up just leaving it and so yeah ended up wasting like quarter of a million dollars on, on a username oh. and paying five grand on top of that but I thought it was a good investment because I was like oh, I see this brand being like a hundred million pound brand this was when it was popping off and mm. obviously I didn't pay a quarter of a million dollars but it was in Bitcoin but at the time and yeah pretty fucked <laughs> it's Mate. just funny how bad that went because paid a lot of money didn't get verified and the brand got fucked in the ass and you didn't get any refund on that at all nah oh wait you didn't you didn't pay to try and get verified though or you did well I, tr- I paid I guess off the books I paid to get the username and then also to for help with getting verified right, right. neither thing I got the username but that was also the, the main thing with the username to try and get verified yeah but then didn't get verified oh. so I had the username but no verification and yeah that's a nightmare <laughs> just a really bad story of, it's kind of funny like yeah I could have invested that money or whatever but don't have that money now anyway so the the whole Instagram verification thing is Mate, there's such like a, an underground market for it of people trying oh, to yeah. verify. I know people that have successfully done it. I know people that have got ripped off, and I know people that have actually had legit people try and do it and then get refunded for not being able to get verified. But honestly, like if you're if you can't get verified via the actual sources with help and the right guidance, you're not meant to be verified anyway. Just where I'd just say if for advice for anyone yeah. listening. Work harder on your articles, work harder on becoming more relevant within your industry and it will come because there's reasons that if you keep getting balanced by Instagram, there's going to be legit reasons. And that's probably going to be because you're not very likely to be impersonated because you haven't got enough articles that rank on Google and because you're just not ready yet. So I know everyone wants it and everyone wants it now and everyone's impatient, but if it's not legitimate sources or legitimate help. Because like I said, there, there are people who do it legitimately. Like if you've got good connections via um, like Facebook and Instagram panels that a lot of like music labels have to ver- yeah. verify the artist, sports people, you know, th- those guys, they've got it so easy compared to, you know, normal people. But don't try and get verified as an entrepreneur through like a sports panel or someone who knows someone or yeah, there's so many services. Daughter. I just got a DM yesterday, and I, I don't even post Instagram. Really, got four thousand followers, and yeah, there's people trying to sell me services on like articles for verification, blah blah blah. But obviously now with the bad experience I've had, I'd never go down that route. Yeah, I, you know what? I know quite a lot of legit people who know the right articles that definitely assist with getting verified. Um, yeah, I've got like two or three friends who run PR agencies that are actually really good at that stuff and have helped me in the past anyway. Um, so yeah, there are legit people, but at the same time, you are going to get those DMs off people that are just trying to make a quick few quid and just trying to get some money off you. You probably wouldn't even get the articles, mate. You probably end up paying them and then they just do a runner. So just make sure. Yeah, I've also got them. a friend on the flip side. Again, I won't say who he is, but it's fucking funny. <laughs> He's, he made, I don't know, he probably won't watch this, but he made he just like knows the right people I think and he made a second Instagram account just to like DM girls when he's like out of the country or whatever mm. and it's got like 300,000 fake followers like loads of fake engagement and, oh every, and, my and it's completely verified with like a four word username so it looks legit as fuck and it's just hilarious because he literally said himself yeah this is purely to swoop girls like he doesn't it's not his like genuine account his genuine account is like private Wow, it's just really funny because I I paid all that money and I don't know how he got it, but he just knows the right people and it's just fucking funny because it looks so legit, but it's completely not like the followers and, and the engagement and everything. Yeah, but it serves its purpose. 
Um, but yeah, on that note, like, do you find it? I don't know how many people's DMs you're sliding into, but firstly, does it help when you slide into people or girls' DMs? Right. And secondly, do you get more DMs? Well, obviously, you get DMs, but like, as a result of having a big following, relatively, and obviously being verified, like, does that help both ways? Great question, and I'm going to be 100% honest. Yeah, I don't even think I've said this publicly, right? I could sit here and be like, yeah, it helps. Slant girls, DMs, yeah. nice and easy. Conversion rate with replies is mad. Mm. I genuinely think it's overhyped being verified when you're looking at it from like girls, like a girl's, you know, trying to get a girl's perspective. Because yeah. if you're verified to the over 100,000 followers or, you know, tens of thousands of followers, I feel like girls nowadays will probably put you in a category of being a fuckboy or being very active when it comes to girls. Yeah. And it's actually more off put. And I've, I've actually like got this feedback from girls before as well, like mates and stuff who have told me it's this. Like, circle. Yeah, it could potentially be off putting to the girl because regardless of how cool your life looks and how professional you are and, you know, he's an entrepreneur, he's got his own business, all this bollocks, right? They are just asked about one thing and that is... Uh, he's probably messaging a load of girls he's probably a fuckboy you'll get put in that category and then it's game over do you know how hard it is to actually and the reason I know this as well is I've met girls that I've like DM before on Instagram in real life whether it's at clubs restaurants just bumping into them, mutual friends do you know how many people have said to me oh yeah like I've seen you on Instagram and that. oh yeah you know you're actually nice in, in person and I was like yeah. do I not give off the perception line that I'm a nice guy but they automatically you know expect me to be some this, this dickhead who's yeah, playing on it I kind of see that to be fair I yeah I suppose maybe even myself assume some people like well not necessarily you but like well probably you to an extent to be fair like you yeah. just make assumptions about like oh I don't know it would, yeah this guy's just flexing a load of bollocks or whatever it, look, it's it, interesting it depends what personal brand you've got as well because you know if you're verified and you're like some well-known singer or YouTuber etc people relate to people personalities relate to personalities right so if you if someone sits there and watches 10 20 minutes of someone's YouTube video they feel like they know them right but because I don't have any long form content out there when people land on my page yeah. they're not going to get a very good idea yeah, of who so I am true, as a person actually. through pictures which is why at the moment... It's like the opposite of a podcast. No, exactly. That's what I mean. So that's why I'm going fun. on loads of podcasts. I'm trying to, you know, I'm creating a YouTube channel as well to actually offer value. So for me, it's a mixture of putting more long-term content out there and show more personality. That's all it is. Because at the end of the day, yeah, I'm not a boring guy. I'm not some, you know, stuck-up fuckboy or whatever, depending on how you're looking at it. I'm just a chill guy who's just you know trying to make a living yeah. <laughs> do you know what I yeah, mean yeah, so yeah, yeah definitely you, I think you'll have, to, you'll have to link to this podcast in your tinder bio or is it oh, hinge yeah, these I days I don't know I'm a yeah. year out of the game maybe I'll just I used to be a premium account on everything but yeah, like, I promise I'm not a fuckboy <laughs> yeah something like that yeah it's true because yeah. yeah like a lot of influencers have and this brings me on to maybe our next topic but like mm-hmm. yeah I feel like a lot of influencers I feel like people have rapped about it or whatever. They might have like a million followers, but they're definitely not making a million quid. And I feel like any smart person, if they actually had a million proper followers, would be making millions. So it's just interesting because like you obviously get, I don't know how like how many influencers you personally, and obviously quite a lot, but like have you seen this where you get examples of like 
almost ex-influencers like someone like Grace Beverly has obviously gone on to build like actual fucking multi-million pound brands like Tallow and that Shreddy and whatever and she's like a legit like Forbes 30 under 30 like yeah. fucking hats off to her especially being so young and she had like a million followers or whatever but she obviously monetized the audience like, like proper deep connection with the audience and then yeah. built an actual business off the back of it and then correct me if I'm wrong but then you get fucking other influencers who look like they've got a million followers or whatever maybe like some fucking ex Love Islander like D-list and you can tell they're they're struggling to fucking pay rent or whatever because they'll do every 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 post is a fucking brand post and they're literally they're posting like I don't know diet pills from some dodgy like illegal company for like 400 quid and it's just mad because they've both got a million followers maybe but obviously one of them has just got an actual engaged audience and knows how to monetize it so, but it's obviously rare because most people don't properly. What I'd say with this is not all influencers are entrepreneurs. Yeah. Just because someone makes money, whether it's a 10 or 10 grand or a million quid, does not make them an entrepreneur. Yeah. You can be true. self-employed and you might have been, you know, you know, you have these girls who just post pictures of the tits and their ass and they're getting... <laughs> pay through the eyeballs off bikini brands and people yeah. like that at the end of the day like I, me personally I don't look at those people as entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs to me is someone who knows how to utilize an audience and actually scale something and make money in the long term not just take something like a, you know a one post bikini deal for 500 quid and be like oh yeah I'm a self-made queen and all this bollocks <laughs> yeah. I, I don't care for that honestly pretty little thing you know, with, with what I do is, what I do and, you know, influencer marketing being a massive side of it, I run a lot of influencer campaigns for brands, but that also means that a lot of my friend circles are influencers. Yeah. Over the years, I've went, you know, I've dipped in and out of friendship groups and I connect better with, with other entrepreneurs as well. Sometimes they're also influencers and models and all these things, which is great. But yeah, influencers, I think, um, <laughs> it's funny because when you look at someone online, right, if someone's got a quarter of a million followers, you automatically assume that they've got money. You automatically assume, yeah, yeah, these guys are smashing life. But at the end of the day, it's just online. Do you know what I mean? Those 250,000 followers, if they're not monetized, means absolutely jack shit. It means nothing. Yeah. And I know a lot of people that have got, what's that Drake song? Um, you know, you got more follow, followers than dollars and that's why I cannot relate. Yeah, that's what I was referring to. Yeah, yeah it's so what's true. It called? Yeah, another one. Yeah, it's... It, Luckily, the people that are around me, and I'm fortunate to have a really good friend group, um, you know, in between like London and LA, a lot of the people hang around. If they are influencers, they are monetizing that and they are doing it quite well. And I'm not just talking monetizing it, like you said, taking a quick brand deal, but they're actually trying to build, you know, a long term connection with the audience and then doing things which are more value driven. Um, yeah. Which, which I love. But yeah, you are right. These influencers, I'd say 80% of influencers who are classed as influencers are probably broke as fuck because they're not entrepreneurs. Um, yeah. I've never classed myself as an influencer, even though I've got like however many followers. I class myself as an entrepreneur, whereas I know someone else Definitely who might a better have, way around, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's like 140,000 followers. Someone could be broke if it's not monetized. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's a mad world out there, mate. Honestly, that whole influencer world and the way that the world's going, like prioritizing followers and vanity over actual income and careers is nuts. I'm so thankful I was right at the start of this so I can actually see it from a wider perspective because people who are getting caught up with these numbers and how many likes they're getting on pictures and stuff. Yeah. That means nothing, mate. 
absolutely nothing. If someone gets 10,000, 20,000 likes on a photo, like, congratulations, you want a fucking medal. Like, what, what are you doing with yeah. that to actually monetize that and build a career for yourself? Especially, or? I think, it's like, I'm not, I'm not an expert on this, but, like, the algorithm seems to have changed a lot on Instagram. It's becoming, like, Facebook news feed almost. And, like, people are going to TikTok and shit. And, like, yeah, if I was an influencer that didn't have, like, you know, a proper following, it was just, like, vanity numbers, loads of guys in India fucking wanking off to bikini pictures, <laughs> which is probably a lot of girls, to be fair, if you look on their, like, social blades or whatever. Yeah. Then I'd, I'd be a bit worried because, yeah, just things, seems like things are changing. And, like, even with this podcast, like, got fuck all followers like 350 subscribers what got 3,000 views on the first one but I had like 150 odd messages across like Instagram and YouTube comments whatever about one episode because it was such a niche audience but it was like it felt like a deep audience and obviously it's long form content that's why I think podcasts are interesting because yeah like I was saying to you before I reckon hypothetically a thousand people that listen to a whole podcast is more valuable than a hundred thousand people that like your photo but just liking 20 others every minute as well yeah the so, world has caught up on vanity metrics, followers, engagement, all that stuff. Yeah. I, you know, another great example of that is, you know, I've obviously bought a lot of promotions from influencers when I've been mm. doing these big campaigns. I've literally had people who will give me a free post for a, a fucking hoodie with 10,000 followers who will sell 50 hoodies compared yeah. to someone with a million followers. I've paid £20,000 to get the hoodie on and they have sold like five yeah, that is no that's exaggeration. That's actually a fact. I'm not going to say the brand or the influencer, but that is true. Yeah, well, I, I will say the influencer because I work with quite a lot of influencers, less so in the past year. And I think I told you about this when we were in you know, a few weeks ago, whatever. Um, and like I, I say, my my experience working with influencers as a brand owner at the time has been like overall negative. Like not not always negative, but yeah, there was a few times where you just give someone a code or whatever, like 10% code and just gift them a fucking necklace it was at the time. Yeah. And they'd sell like 50 things. And then the most expensive one I ever did was a deal with Jay Alvarez. So I'm saying his name. And obviously he, he's probably like, I feel like the original like Barley Tumblr-esque fuck boy aesthetic and like obviously a ridiculously good looking fucking, I was probably jealous of him when I was like 21 as probably every lad was. And I, we paid him, I say we, me, it's like 45,000 USD for three mm-hmm. posts, so 15 grand a post, which I thought, oh, this is going to blow up. Yeah. And it got like 350,000 likes. And this was for my brand, Midnight City, so wearing necklaces. And this was in like the first year. So it's a pretty, pretty big punt. Um, yeah. And I literally remember thinking, fuck me, this has brought in like no sales. Couldn't, couldn't notice a difference. Wow. Like it was probably a good like brand player or whatever, but I was just like, fuck. Like, I thought this was going to bring in, like, 100 grand sales in a day or whatever. It just didn't. Like, Instagram ads was what was driving sales and, like, yeah. Google ads, which is probably the same for most brands. What was the click-throughs like in that, though? Did you bring a lot of people to the site? Could you tell, like, a massive surge of organic traffic? <sighs> traffic, but, like, barely any conversions. Right. And another thing is I didn't know what the fuck I was doing to properly track it because, I don't know, I just hadn't done it properly with, like, that scale before. Didn't mm. didn't give them a discount code, which probably should have because you didn't want to do it. Yeah, it's just funny. Um, and... Similar situation, probably shouldn't say her name to be fair, because um, she still follows me on Instagram. <laughs> so if she's watching this, well, she probably isn't watching this. But anyway, did this collaboration, like a collection collab with this influencer. Lovely girl, very nice person. I think she's fairly switched on to be fair. But um, she was telling me, oh, you know, like we end up agreeing a fee and all this because she told me 
and I believed it, it might be true, like, she told me she was bringing in X massive amount on her, like, affiliate for, like, Topshop or whatever, like, she only had, like, 300,000 followers at the time, then she got, like, twice that now. Did this fucking collection, like, going into women's jewellery, and again, it just flopped, and I was like, fuck's sake, because I'd spent, like, four months of time, more than anything, working on it, like, paid her quite a bit already, like, there was, Mm -hmm. like, a percentage of revenue deal, blah, 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 and I just remember thinking, like, I can't tell if this is more embarrassing and awkward for me or for you, because you're the one that's told me you're going to drive all the sales. And it's like, ah, were you lying about the other brand metrics or, or is it just yeah. not a fit with this brand? Like, I can't really tell. But either way, yeah, it was just such a flop. And I just remember thinking, fucking hell, like, I don't know, either I've just gone with the wrong influences or or it's not what people think it is from from outside. Because like, you obviously see brands like Boohoo and Pretty Little Thing, which fucking sponsor every influencer. And I can't, does it work better for them because their brand is better or does it work better for them because they've got hundreds of millions of quid to throw at things and, and they just don't really track it that much Do probably you know I mean? the latter because I think with someone like Boohoo Man PLT all those guys they've got so much money to burn yeah that they actually don't care about monitoring the individual metrics of each influencer so they'll run yeah. mass campaigns with no because I remember back in the day like uh, Boohoo Man used to even me myself I used to be sponsored by Boohoo Man yeah. I had a discount code like back in the day when I was like didn't know if I wanted to go down like the entrepreneur route or the influencer route with my following and stuff Yeah, but you know they don't really care about codes anymore because they realise like it's not just a this is the difference between influencers and, and paid ads with paid ads you can get all the direct metrics you know the click through rates you know the return and ad spend straight away with influencers you've got to look at it as more as a organic yeah like reach. brand thing brand yeah so it's, it's going to be good for your brand it's going to be probably more long term might take you know five six times for someone to see the brand to yeah you know make it a sale and you might not even be able to track that conversion from its first you know viewpoint and that's why it's so difficult to measure but at the same time that's why it's so good because if you constantly do it and you start to be the only say boohoo man the only clothing brand people are seeing like right now, if you if you were to say, oh yeah, someone coming off Love Island or someone who's just got the first 100,000 followers, yeah. who's going to sponsor them? We're going to say Boohoo Man because yeah, they just so monopolize the whole thing um, in people's eyes. So, you know, th- there's that benefit of it. But if you're trying to do it on a smaller scale, you know, someone who hasn't got hundreds of thousands, if not millions a month to spend on influencers, I think you have got to be a lot more careful on who you want to represent your brand. Yeah, so true. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like because I'm working on a new brand now. Obviously, I've had two brands in the past. And, well, more than that, actually. Two big brands, I guess, in the past. Mm-hmm. Obviously, fucked up with the most recent one. But, like, I feel like micro-influencers just unpaid. And, like, this is kind of the approach I took in, like, the past year with Neon, actually, as well. Never never paid an influencer when that was going well. Like, my view, and I don't know if it's right, but certainly for, like, brands where you, like, self-funded and got fucking hundreds of millions, is you should just gift your product to as many, like, aesthetically pleasing in, not even influencers just people like creators micro creators like sub 5,000 followers in many cases just gift them your product don't pay them just get content then use that content on paid ads that would be my approach and probably on like TikTok paid ads now because I know TikTok's like literally 10% the price of Facebook right now um, so I'm actually working on a new brand right now a completely different industry but we're only working on it for like two months and I'm going to launch that on TikTok I reckon boom like, not, not even use Facebook to start with yeah, because it's just too expensive, and influencers are too expensive. Influencers are too expensive. I think it also for depends. New brands, anyway. It also depends on the brand and the product. So, for example, Neon Beach, that's the type of product which is so unique and so 
like there's not there is a lot of copiers now yeah. obviously but like when he first started that that was such a unique thing which people didn't know that they wanted but they want so I think that would have been quite easy to gift influencers the hundreds of thousands oh, of followers yeah. to take especially that especially because it's like bespoke it costs like 300 quid anyway so perceived value yeah. is way higher exactly so stuff like that that's a lot easier to get free posts off people that would usually post maybe uh, sorry usually charge like two three four five grand a post yeah you're given that from the cost of say 300 quid yeah um but yeah for you know things with like saturated markets like i don't know clothing or iphone accessories all that bollocks iphone cases that's going to be so difficult yeah to do so true yeah yeah it's got to have something unique and like higher perceived value to do it mm-hmm. or just use really small influencers just get people for content yeah, so I, I love that approach and I've done that loads, mate. You know, I've run influence campaigns where we don't pay them, get a load of content, you know, get the permission to use it on, um, on ads. Then you've got a beautiful feed of aesthetically pleasing content, yeah. free exposure. And all you have to do is, you know, give out the cost of the product and there you go, Bob's your uncle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've just thought actually, I've got a few funny stories and you've probably got some as well. Mm. Just on like, fucking like weird influencer shit and you just remind me of one because when, when you said um neon beach so you know mia khalifa like the world's biggest porn star i mean yep. everyone fucking knows her so we sent her a sign and i remember posting on my personal like screenshot from verified mia khalifa like oh can i have a sign so we sent her two signs one of them was like a fucking cog with her name or whatever <laughs> oh. fucking watch you speaking and the other one was like a Batman logo with like Khalifa or something. Right. And, like, and I thought she's never going to post this, but it's just because like 25 million followers or whatever, but it's just fucking hilarious. <laughs> so we sent her that. I don't know if it's, it might be in the back of like some OnlyFans private porn or whatever. I don't know if she's retired from Pornhub for religious reasons or whatever happened there, but um, not that I watch porn, of course. Um, <laughs> never have. But that, that was a funny one. And then just another little blooper. I remember with Midnight City, this was like smaller scale, but still like fairly expensive. It was like maybe like a two grand post with, with like some, I think I know it was with, I probably shouldn't say, but it's like some older Love Island, like, I don't know, two seasons ago, Love Island person. Mm-hmm. And they're like their fucking manager. Like, I, don't, I feel like a lot of these people that have quickly become like famous, they end up speaking to you like shit anyway. Like you're paying them two grand yeah. and their fucking manager responds to you and like they can't even spell things correctly because like, they're a big shot now. It's just funny. But I remember like, their manager sending me back the picture to approve and it wasn't even my brand and I'm like fucking hell no way come on like I know you're an entitled cunt but you're getting paid like two grand to take a picture at least get that right yeah Yeah. like come on and I'm not even exaggerating that actually happened it's probably happened (laughs) loads of times I mean I don't know if you've got any stories like that but it's just just weird shit mate that you just wouldn't believe uh, that's a funny one actually like a lot of the campaigns that I run anyway are, um, most of my clients are over in the States so a lot of the influencers that we use are in the States as well but yeah. I have run UK campaigns as well but just touching on like that Love Island thing, I've had the exact same thing mate once again I'm not going to mention any names however when I had the watch brand and I wanted to get someone who just came off Love Island they were popping at the time looked like they were popping anyway yeah I paid them, I think it was a grand for a post and a story, which was really good because I bartered them down from like sh- stupid numbers. Yeah. Um, it took ages and ages for them to send me a picture of, of the watch, like them wearing the watch. And let's be honest, with a watch, it, it's actually quite a hard thing to take a picture of without it looking blatant and not natural. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
like this, just like with your handle. Yeah. It just doesn't make much. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. But um, finally got it through, and they were wearing the watch upside down. <laughs> so like where it said Adam Mark at the top, it said at the bottom, and I was like, "Look, that's upside down. Could you please retake that?" And then the agent got bare ass with me and was like, oh, "I was going to say the name then, such and such." Uh, yeah. Isn't isn't happy uh, to reshoot, so we'll be posting this photo. And I was like, I have just paid you one thousand pounds to yeah. post, and you're going to give me an upside down watching the picture. Are you taking yeah, it's the just piss? A level of entitlement for some. It's of them. just mad, mate. It's honestly, like, hilarious. And that person's irrelevant now, by the way. Just putting that out there. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, yeah, I mean, I'm again not an expert on this, but I feel like the ones that do take it for granted and just treat fucking brands like shit don't have brand deals for very long yeah. because like do they not realise that the brands that are paying you are the only reason you're doing this and not working in fucking McDonald's I mean not necessarily McDonald's not that there's anything wrong with that but yeah. you know what I mean like because a lot of them maybe I'm stereotyping but a lot of them particularly the earlier series I feel like just they're not the smartest of dons and suddenly they get a lot big following a lot of money coming yeah. their way but at the same time it's not just it's they not don't their keep those fault. relationships yeah it's not their fault it's if anything, like like I said, influencers aren't always entrepreneurs. But mm. if you've got an agent, at least make sure your agent is is good enough to actually do business deals and put you in the right yeah. direction. If your manager is accepting every Tom, Dick, and Harry who's trying to promote a t shirt, a cap, a fucking weight loss bikini, pill. weight loss pill, exactly, like you are not going to make it out of that category. And once you're put in that category, you then won't get cooler better brands who are going to give you more money because they're going to look at the brand you're promoting and how saturated your audience is and they're going to go yeah fuck that I ain't working with them and that's yeah. happened a lot the amount of times I've actually put influencers up for um, you know work with brands and they've been like no they promote such and such or look how many times they posted XYZ it, it, there's a balance there do you know what I mean and if you're not strategic about it you will fall into the category of you know promoting no no offence to Boohoo by the way but let's say for example they get a Boohoo man deal and then they get someone else and then they just go down the shitter because they just saturate themselves with shit brands not saying Boohoo man shit yeah, it was just yeah. an example I know what you mean yeah yeah like you get influences where yeah like they've got like a Jim King post like I think Jim King's like the guy who actually founded that went to my school I don't know him but like just a set yeah they're like niche into like a certain type of brand and then maybe because they're offering them more money now but like they're not thinking long term yeah um, and I, I mean I've never been been an influencer so I'm not in that position but mm. just in general I think there was like so that Stephen Bear I feel like he's been posting loads of porn on Twitter recently yeah, and yeah. someone sent that to me the other day but I remember seeing some stuff where I think he was, he was posting loads of like like borderline like illegal like weight loss pills and shit and he was mm. getting absolutely fucking cancelled in the comments but you must just think like you must you'd you would assume that he's most genuinely desperate for money because otherwise he wouldn't be doing that to damage his personal brand. Yeah. And not, not just him. Like, I mean, I don't really know anything about him, but yeah. that's just one example. He's a very controversial character. Um, I think some of the moves are a bit mad. What he's doing, like you said, like posting porn on, on Twitter and stuff is like one of the most ballsy things I've ever seen in my entire life. People yeah. calling him, like people saying he's lost a plot, he's crazy. But at the same time, I'm thinking is he not just being like really ballsy with his market because how many people now have now subscribed to his OnlyFans and how many people now yeah, have went true. to his page and you know what I mean so yeah so OnlyFans because that whole thing of them cancelling porn that was 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 that either m- misinterpreted 
or it was a marketing thing because it's not true is it they haven't cancelled porn so they actually they did put out a statement saying that they were stopping explicit content me personally I think what happened was I've got to be careful myself because the founder of OnlyFans follows me on Instagram as well so yeah he's an English bloke yeah Yeah. English bloke Um, I think they said it because that's literally the direction they wanted to do I think from the legal side of things to actually have a platform which is accepting subscriptions for porn is actually quite messy yeah especially when anyone can go and like start doing it without being vetted and all this like I think there's a lot of dodgy shit going on there which maybe they can't control or monitor so they wanted to be more of a you know VIP creators platform when they seen the backlash of how people were reacting to that I think they then realized we're probably going to go under as a company if we actually don't bring this yeah. back. So by that, you know, then being like, oh yeah, no, we're not, we're not doing it anymore. This is what we're sticking to it. I think number one, they realized that they saved a lot of people's careers because everyone was freaking out because think about how many everyone lives. can't get brand deals that was now selling porn and as a result, can't get <laughs> brand deals again, needs that porn. Yeah, but me, there's girls out there that are like, 18, 19, 20, they'll do one month on OnlyFans and make 100 grand. Yeah, fuck, that I'm, I'm actually jealous nuts. of that, to be fair. That lie. is nuts. <laughs> that is actually insanity. So, you know, to take that away, like if someone's there making six figures a month, and I know multiple people myself who were doing that, mm. to take that away from them and having to like find another platform or other ways to monetize their audience, that would have scared the shit out of a lot of people. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they're not doing it anymore. They're continuing. And if anything, it gave them a bigger boost in... Uh, in marketing and exposure because people were talking about it and it was trending everywhere so yeah he was telling me like a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend or whatever some guy because you hear probably I've definitely heard of less obviously like guys that are on OnlyFans but it's probably almost a better niche in a way because there's less competition but mm. I think he was making like 200 grand a month fucking and he's like a decent it's like a model or whatever I don't even know his name but someone was telling me he's making like 200 grand a month but he's basically just like getting his cock out for old men and stuff. And I was just thinking like, where's the line? Cause like everyone, if you honestly sat them down in a room, with like a bag of cash and you said, I'll give you a million quid to do this. Like people always say, oh, you know, I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't whatever for like a million quid. But actually if you could, if the money was there with certain things, you probably would. And it's an interesting debate. Cause like I, I, I would agree. I'd say I'm, I'm not fucking putting my dick online for old men for money. But like everyone deep down there's, there's probably a number where you would consider doing that whether your face is blurred out or whatever but it's true it's it just an interesting one because like maybe someone like that gets into it as a joke or whatever or because they need money and then all of a sudden they're making a shitload of money and then like you hear these stories of people like starting out just doing like exclusive content where they fucking get the top off but there's still a bra on and then before you know it they're having a threesome with two old men on camera or whatever <laughs> this is hypothetical by the way anecdotal I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, it's uh, but it's probably actual real life for a lot of people though to be honest yeah because I can imagine when you start getting a little taste of the, the money that's coming in hmm. and then people offer you more money I don't know exactly how it works but you know basically sounds like the more the, the dodgier and the niche stuff you do the more the more you can make like yeah I mean, it fits in so Where's well with like my I haven't got OnlyFans by the way but it fits in with my ideology of just life because I've always said this like you can't pay bills with people's opinions right so all these yeah, people yeah. that are on these platforms that are putting themselves out there yeah okay you might get XYZ saying oh what a slut what a slag all this bollocks but realistically yeah, if they're sitting there making 20 to 100 grand 
a month and they were previously making a grand or two grand a month. Yeah. They're changing their whole life and they're setting themselves up because I know people that what they do is they'll take money from OnlyFans. They'll say, right, I'm going to do it for like a year. I'm going to do it for whatever it is. They'll make yeah. X amount of money. And then they'll take that and go and buy property or start up a yeah, brand. Yeah, very true. Or invest it in the right places like crypto. I literally know so many people that made a couple of hundred grand from OnlyFans, which then gave them the, liqu- the liquidity to go and throw it into crypto. Yeah. And now they made a couple million. To yeah, me, that's I'm, crazy. I'm probably deep down jealous of all these these hoes that are making millions. <laughs> um, which, yeah, I guess if I, maybe it's arguably yeah harder for blokes to do. I mean, I'm not going to do it, but yeah, it's true. It's true. Like in general, that point, like you can't pay bills with opinions. Yeah, like to be fair, I, I probably that's probably why I just wanted to put that first podcast out saying like, yeah, f- I fucked up with that neon beach thing, but I'm not going to stay off social media forever because obviously for me like I was saying to you before we started like I started this podcast because A it's just fucking therapeutic and I genuinely find it interesting just sitting down and speaking to people but it's actually a networking vehicle and granted it's everything starts small but even sitting here speaking to you it was an excuse for me to speak to you for an hour and a half whatever and then you never know where that can go and you know you know someone that I don't know might want to invest in my next business say hypothetically and they know someone that knows someone and yeah, but not even hypothetically. Yeah. Like me knowing now that you're making a new brand, I don't know what you're doing. I want to hear more about this and I want to see if there's any way that I can help. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I suppose, it, yeah, th- th- that was the like opinions can't pay bills thing for me. I was just yeah. like, fuck it. Like I was getting all this hate online previously and now I've that now that's all sorted. I told everyone what happened. Like there's no, you can't, you can't, no one can say shit to me when Maybe. you lay your cards on the table. So you've, you've got to move on. That was the reason I put that out there. And yeah. Similar principle, really, because, yeah, like, you can just what, hide in the room, stay off social media forever. But the reality is, if I didn't have Facebook ads, I would never have made any money in the first place. Yeah. Like, in, in a business sense. But then also, like, I pro- probably would have never met anyone that helped me along the way, etc. Like, the friends I've got now, if I'd never had social media in the first place. So. Yeah. Exactly. And it comes back to like what we said before, like you end up building like social proof because you've done some interesting stuff and then it like piles from there, et cetera, et cetera. And then because you're in a certain circle, you meet other people like you, anyone else, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, that was why I was interested to start the podcast again, I suppose, because I don't know where I've got to, how I've got to that from talking about OnlyFans, but. <laughs> it was a good little pivot it's, to be honest with you, mate. Yeah, it's the same point, really. You just can't pay bills with opinions, can you? So. Yeah. It's like, even when you started out, you probably got a lot of people being like, what are you doing? You don't know how to do that. Who does you think he is trying to make a brand? And it's the type of stuff that I got. Like when I was putting myself out there, posting fashion stuff on Instagram or making my first brand, like, oh, what does he know about watches? Or what does he know about fashion? Yeah. At the end of the day, like if I actually listened to people's opinions back then, I, I wouldn't even be sat here with you right now. Yeah, very true. Having this conversation, if I actually gave a fuck about what people thought of me. Because that small town mentality which a lot of people have yeah. is so damaging and crippling to a lot of people like I, I even think there is still the most amazing creators influencers musicians etc that are around there that are just undiscovered because they're too scared or nervous to put themselves out there like if everyone didn't give a fuck what people thought about them I think the world would be such a better place yeah, at the end so of the true. day we're full of you know the world's full of scrutiny judgement everyone's gonna be trying to judge each other uh, yeah most of jealousy to be honest that's like the biggest thing that I, like even you said then like oh yeah I'm jealous of all these I know you said it like in a passive comment like joking 
but there will be girls out there that are jealous of an OnlyFans girl. There yeah. will be lads out there that are jealous of you, you know, earning X amount of money and traveling the world and doing all these amazing things. There's always going to be people that are jealous, but it's how you handle it and you've got to not let that get drilled into your head as reality because people's opinions of you aren't reality unless you make yeah, it a reality. so true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because definitely like when I was getting started, like when I had my first brand called Gentry Club, this back in like 2015, like first ever econ brand. And I had like fucking probably five or six attempts at brands after that. Mm-hmm. Until like ones that did big numbers or whatever. But yeah, I, I still remember distinctly. Like, and everyone's probably got the similar fucking sob stories. So I'm not the playing fucking victim, but it's just the truth. Like, I remember these lads in the year below, ironically, mm-hmm. who were like the cool kids in school. So they were probably, bit, I'd have just started uni and I had this brand and yeah, they would they would get like t-shirts and draw the logo on and then like rip them up and shit and put it on like Facebook and that. And it was all very immature or whatever, probably affected me at the time, but I think that they definitely got over that. But one funny thing was, and I remember this happening. So one of the lads that did that, and he's probably, might be watching this I'm not going to say his name I'm sure he wouldn't do that now because everyone has fucking cunty phases or whatever but he he bought from my brand Midnight City multiple times and I could see on Shopify it was his and I knew his address etc etc and I wondered if he knew that I owned that brand because it was just funny because he'd gone from being a hater to a customer probably not and there's probably more than probably more than just him that that happened to um but it's just interesting yeah because I mean I've, I've said it in a few of the podcast episodes or whatever I said it in a freestyle rap but it's just like says a lot because people like I don't actually know what he does now to be fair I'm not saying he's got a bad job or whatever but I know he's not running a business um, and he probably never will because people that end up creating stuff don't generally you know people that hate on stuff never really do anything is my point it's so um, true I mean like all the entrepreneurs like yeah. both of us are surrounded by it. when was the last time you've seen anyone you know we share similar circles we've got friends that cross over and stuff but even the ones that don't not one of them would sit there and be like oh my goodness, look at this brand. It's so shit, this guy's shit. I'm going to create, I don't know, I'm going to just take the piss out of him online or whatever it is publicly. Like, you know, we might have our opinions about certain things, Mm. but you'd never ever see anyone completely tear someone else down in a room that we didn't know. If there was a reason to, and there's a reason for us to look into something that's different, but if some random guy in America just created a clothing brand, you'd never say to me, look how shit this clothing brand is. I'm going to let him know how shit it is. I'm going to do something to really like let him know. It just yeah. wouldn't happen. And then it's weird because like, start with anything, like when you first start, it's going to be shit, like whether it's a brand or a fucking podcast or whatever. But then obviously over time, and like, what's the phrase? Like experience breeds confidence. And it's yeah. so true. Like you then start hanging around with people that do have successful businesses or brands or whatever. Then obviously you build up experience over time. And it's like, yeah, I've built two big brands in the past. One successful, one successful, then not successful. But now I know what I'm doing the next one obviously it's going to be successful because and it might take time what might happen overnight but like there's never even a glimmer in my mind it's not going to work because I've done it before and I'll do it again and obviously but if I'd never started in the first place if I'd stopped trying to build businesses because of that one bit of hate or whatever it's kind of tragic because you'd probably never do it again And, and it's similar with like with content or like making YouTube videos whatever and similar thing happened to me like I used to make music covers like people used to say I sound like Niall Horan I wasn't that good at singing but I was into like guitar and that right I used to make that shit and then someone found out from school and they're like oh you're shit I had like 4,000 subscribers and then I stopped making it and then I started a vlog channel like four years ago when I was travelling I had like 200 videos right that's a lot by the way yeah a lot of that. videos to be fair it's a different channel to this one but it's still on there yeah. um, 
and then I think there was a similar comment somewhere along the line of maybe it was even fucking family members saying like, why are you making that shit it's pointless so I've stopped making that because I wanted it to be like a travel vlog at the time well, I was probably less interested in it long term more of a phase but and then yeah I guess like even this small podcast channel is fucking third time around doing like the YouTube thing and I'd always wanted to like put some content out there because I just, just hadn't figured out what the right time or medium was yeah and now, now it's just like fuck it like I'm you know I've got to the point in my life now where I'm old enough not to really give a fuck about especially because of the whole Neon Beach thing whatever I just got used to getting some hate online and then actually the reception to this even on a small scale is, was way better than I thought it would be because most people you know are probably interested in it but, but either they haven't got they haven't got the experience or connections to get people on or they haven't got the confidence to do it themselves Yeah, and then yeah I, I was just like fuck from an entrepreneurial perspective the journey you've had and the fuck ups which you've had and the you know those things which would put anyone else off from ever being in that space ever again you've used as motivation to then kick yourself off and keep going moving forward and creating new things not everyone has that which shows you're actually a true entrepreneur do you know what I mean if you cared about what people said to you like the negative comments people kicking off whatever it is you wouldn't be successful. You wouldn't be in this position. Do you know what I mean? So you, by you having that mindset shows me as well, like how far you're going to go and, you know, the success you're going to have moving forward as well. So that's going to be exciting to see. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's true. Like it's just a mindset in it because, yeah, winners win. It's kind of cringe, but it's fucking true. <laughs> it is and true. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like with this podcast, even like, I feel like yeah, I'm back to like square one where I was with like my first econ brand. Cause obviously I've, I don't have, I've never built a successful podcast. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure if I'm consistent with it, which is obviously the hard part, especially when you're not like revenue generating from podcasts or whatever. But if I'm consistent with it, I'm confident I'll I'll smash it out like anything else. Because it's the yeah. same principle, isn't it? It's like the same as starting any business. Yeah. Like obviously, like even trying to get Tyler and Billy on the first episode was like pulling teeth. It was like, come on, I just want to fucking record the first episode. People are like, oh, we haven't got any followers. Like blah blah blah. Well, obviously I haven't. Because I haven't put anything out yet. But you just got to accept, like with anything, and in this case, the podcast. So, you know, it's going to start slow. But if you're consistent, you put out like authentic stuff, which, I, which I'm trying to do. Yeah. Then it'll probably work. 100%. So. Yeah. Yeah, deep. I mean, I guess to wrap things up, we could probably fucking speak for like five hours, but then people will stop watching. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or I need to get like a bottle of red wine out, which I ain't got to hand right now. Um, where do you want to take the agency and then like, what's next for well you really is it the agency anything else like where do you see the next five years I know you said you're still figuring that out but is there any thoughts so with the agency this year as much as I love doing it I don't want to give anyone 50% of me I only ever want to give someone 100% to my clients yeah you know me as an agency we're not the cheapest agency but that's because I know the value which I can bring and I know how good I am at what I do. So I'm not going to be the cheapest, which means if someone's paying a lot of money, they expect incredible results and they expect someone to be quite integrated in. So this year I realized that I wanted to cut down the clients which I have so I can focus 100% on the ones that I really think are going places and that I can be more integrated into, but also help people that might not be able to afford my monthly retainers or my you know just getting started off and don't really know where to go which is why i've started to pivot over into info products 
Um, I've just released my first um, ebook, which is a, an Instagram blueprint. Yeah, essentially, I've seen that. yeah, teaching people how to strategize, monetize, and, and grow on social. Well, you know, it's it can basically be used if you're a brand, if you're an influencer, whatever it is. I'm like plugging this. I didn't even mean to, but no, it's just good. because Go it ahead. is actually what yeah. I'm focusing on right now. Because my DMs are constantly flooded with people being like, "Can you help me? Can you help me?" And honestly, mate, I can't help a lot of them because it would take way too much of my time. I'll probably yeah. get in between five to 10 people a day being like, can you help me? Can you help me? And yeah. the fact is that I can't reply to everyone, <laughs> but I wanted to create a product which was a low, you know, a low cost that people can basically digest and it's like a do-it-yourself version of yeah. what I'd be able to give them anyway. Give them all the information they need and my knowledge, but get them to do it themselves. So... I want to help more people, which is why I've, I've went into this. It's literally not just to make money. It's actually because I know I can help a lot more people on a mass scale by doing this because, you know, the equivalent of me going to a client and charging $10,000 and then saying, well, for $97, here's what I think you should do. Mm. Go and try and do it. You know, the majority of people are going to go for the $97 option, yeah, obviously. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I'm focusing on right now. Um, eBooks, um, creating online products, which will help people for a low cost, which means I can then automate my life a lot more, which means I'm not always on calls with clients or going to mm-hmm. meetings, et cetera. I can focus on the big ones, which I think, you know, uh, going to do extremely well. And I really enjoy being involved in, but as well as that, as well as that helping people in the masses. So um, offering, yeah, info products, which can actually help people change their lives. And whether it's making more money or just helping them get the first 10,000 followers on Instagram, if I know I can help them do that, then why wouldn't I try and do it? So yeah, yeah. Sick. it's the focus do you think you'd ever start an e-com brand again yes interesting so I feel like people in my experience either build brands or do like the agency stuff typically at least when they get inside do you know what's funny mate I've said to myself for the last couple of years if I'm going to make 10 million quid it's probably going to be from an e-com brand yeah I just haven't and the reason I haven't is similar to you I've done drop shipping but I've probably done it a lot I wasn't as um, invested into it. Mm. So I just like flip up a quick drop shipping store within like literally in an hour. Yeah. And then I'd run it across a load of meme pages and a few influencers that I knew on the cheap. I'd make a couple grand and then I just dip, which is, don't do it guys. Honestly, it's just, it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely would. And the only reason I'm not doing it right now is I'm not going to start a product unless I know it's a winning product. I'm not just going to free ball and be like, oh, I kind of think that would work. If I see a product that I know is going to work and, or a, a brand which I think is just going to take over, then 100% I'm going to be doing e-com in the future. Don't know how soon, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It definitely needs time. I, I agree that I feel like building a brand, an e-com brand, aside from like building a pair well, yeah like you can build a personal brand as well but i think yeah like financially building a successful econ brand that you can exit from is the biggest opportunity 100%. like financially yeah apart from maybe like some only fans girl getting in onto my initial <laughs> coin offering and making 100 million quid from fucking yeah. like wank stain coin or something yeah. <laughs> these meme coins that were happening back in like march yeah yeah i definitely uh dabbled in the shit coin space yeah, won same. some lost some <laughs> yeah don't think i'll be doing it again safe moon all that crap <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's an interesting one crypto yeah it is it's nuts but no yeah um i'm excited to see where you take it i think yeah i just think that, that there are a lot of people that 
want to do things and, and are doing things that don't get enough airtime, whether that's because, well, it, it, whether they want it or not. And that's kind of why, yeah, I wanted to do this pod really because there's a lot of like regular faces, which like probably bigger, like from like bigger brands like Gymshark, whatever, like they go on podcasts all the time. That's all, all well and good, but I feel like sometimes they're not as relatable because they're like so far ahead of like, you know, your average like early 20 something that it's just like, oh, fuck. Whereas, yeah, I just think speaking to people like you and, and loads more guests we got coming, well, that's the plan if I can keep it consistent. Yeah, just get people's perspective on different sorts of entrepreneurship, whether it's fucking econ, property, yeah, I music, think whatever, whatever. Relatability is, is key when it comes to stuff like this. Like you said, Dan, like if there's constantly, you know, billionaires and people who are in just really unique situations, you know, coming on podcasts and listening to them talk, like they're not always relatable stories. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you keep it real and you keep it honest, which we have, and I know you have in your last episode as well, and you'll continue to do so, that's uh, that's the key, mate. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the plan. Right, well, good to chat. On that yeah, note, mate, we'll wrap up the ep and, yeah, I guess subscribe, like, whatever. I mean, I don't know how to measure this podcast yet because it's on YouTube, obviously it's on Spotify and Apple as well. Um, but yeah, just go listen to it wherever the fuck you want, really. And <laughs> I'll see you in the next one. Peace.